0: 127 left, wait, wait, three, left. Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard
1: unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about
0: retirement. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. Steve, what's going on, buddy? How are you this week? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? I'm hanging in there. So interesting week. Yeah. At the time we're taping this, folks, this is, uh, what is this, Tuesday? So one day after the 2,100-point the drop of uh, what, March the 9th. So uh, how's your, how's your couple of days been? <laughs> it's been interesting. This is um, certainly a, a uh,
1: interesting time to be in the financial services world or watching the, the stock market mm-hmm. and all the hysteria that comes along with it. So it's, it's kind of been interesting the last actually the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it has been going on for a couple of weeks now. And most of us probably, you know, by the time you'll you'll hear this folks, you know, you probably have already seen and read some of the things that kind of caused it, but it appears as though, you know, obviously it wasn't just the coronavirus, it was also the Saudis and uh, the Russians getting into a spat over oil and so it's just kind of a in a way I guess kind of a bit of a perfect storm of some things happening that we typically don't like to see come together at the same time and I guess it's all stemming from coronavirus panic, but a lot of other factors in there too, yeah?
1: Yeah, I think you look at a lot of different things that contribute to it. Sometimes things just come together, and then then everything gets on the news, and it can rile seven. up people yeah. and and get people all upset and churn up their emotions, and then people end up, all they do is watch TV, and that's what, in my opinion, that's what these these television networks and so on, all they, they really are trying to do is stir your emotions so that you all you do is watch them. Yeah. Uh, So they keep their advertising rates where they are.
0: Well, you know, and that's a really good segue for us to talk about our main topic this week. We won't beat this horse too much because it's always being done constantly out there. But I was going to have us talk about just some solid financial truths. You know, sometimes, Steve, when we get together, we're chatting about things on the podcast. A lot of times the answers that you have to give, well, is, is it depends, Mark, because, you know, there's this factor and that factor. And there's so many fluid things that go into retirement planning that the independent, it depends, excuse me, um, you know, answer is very fitting to a lot of things. So I found us some, what I think are some, pretty solid financial truce that I think we could stake with a bit of confidence. So I thought we would kind of go that route today in a way, it's kind of fitting that the first one on my list was that TV can be our biggest enemy. Now, this was prior to, you know, even thinking about the coronavirus or anything, but just because we see something on TV or whatever the case is, or we hear something, I mean, that's how advertising works. I mean, if you think about how many times do you see a cell phone commercial on a given day, right? You'll see an ad for Verizon 8 million times a day, it seems like. And it's the idea is that when you start to think, well, I need a phone, they're going to pop in your mind. Well, same kind of thing holds true even from a financial news segment, if you're beating the same drum, eventually that could lead to being a big enemy because it may not be the right advice for you. It may just be a general pocket of advice.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of times if people are watching, you know, the financial news stations, take your pick. Sure, They'll always have some expert on there. And, and we've talked about this before, so I may be saying it again. Is that every time you watch it, there's going to be one side that's telling you to do one thing and another side to tell you to do the other. And the truth is, each one wants to get their point across because they have something to gain by you doing whatever they tell you that you should be doing. And the and the other part is the host. I mean, every time I watch, you know, this one CNBC, I'll, I'll name them. They go, they talk to some money managers. Either side, one who thinks everything's going is gonna fall apart. The other one thinks everything's gonna be fine and go go well, and they always ask, well, what should the investor do? What should they sell? What?" Sh-? And it's like, well, if you're an investor, you're gonna have ups and downs in the stock market. You right. just need to make sure you own the proper amount of stocks, proper amount of bonds, proper amount of what I call stable income products and some safe products. And if you have those and they meet your goals, then they've been designed or your plan's been designed to weather these ups and downs. But if somebody says, well, what should they be doing if they're an investor? Well, that's an oxymoron because if you're an investor, you wait through the ups and downs of the market. What they should say is, what should the speculators do? Ah, Buy yes. and sell. Gotcha. So that's just kind of my, my I guess, my preaching on, on TV. I, I think they do more harm than good. Um, oh yeah, ninety-nine sure. percent of the time, yeah. because they give people a false sense of of what the realities are in the market.
0: Well, you know, when you're kind of taking it from that standpoint too, Steve, and you think about proper diversification, somebody say, okay, at the time we're doing this podcast, you know, the markets are down over the last couple of weeks overall, about 17%, I think was the last number I saw. And somebody says, oh, I'm down 17% and that's got you stressed. Well, of course, that's natural. But are you truly down the whole 17? Because hopefully you've been properly diversified in such a way that hopefully that you're not. Now, again, depends on how it's set up. But it's almost like saying, well, in 2019, it was up 30%, you know, and I'm, I didn't make 30 well, why not? Well, again, probably because of the, way, the way your your risk tolerance is, the way you're diversified. Am I right on that or am I skewed in that? Because I think people get really confused. They think if it's down across the board and that's exactly what they're down across the board, but that may or may not be the case depending on the different types of investments they hold.
1: That's exactly right. And whenever they say the, the broad market, well, most people don't just own the S and P 500 index. Well, well,
0: hopefully not, right? Because then you're not diversified, <laughs> right?
1: And, and then you then you have all your eggs in one basket. Right. Typically, if if you have a proper portfolio, you're going to own some of those stocks. You're going to own some of the smaller companies. You're going to own some of the micro companies. You're going to own international companies. Right? You're going to own some short term bonds. So you know you you're not going to own everything that the market and everybody gets confused. Well, the stock market is down, like you said, thirty percent. And, oh, my God, I'm, I'm losing 30% of my money. Well, not really. Right. I mean, the value has come down. You still own the underlying securities. The only time you really lock in your loss is if you sell. And we saw that in 2008 and nine. And now what happened in 2008 and nine is that people got overly aggressive in what they owned. Um, they tended to own fewer sectors. They, they owned the real estate market. They owned banking investment banking. And when those went down, yeah, they went down significantly. But if you were a broadly diversified it went down, but it didn't go down as far as, as one or two
0: different sectors went down. Right, as like the forty percent or so that you know some people didn't right. get lost. Well, and you know, and so part two on my on my notes here were emotions can rarely be our friend in financial decision making times. And of course you could see number one again, and, and right now this is a this is a perfect storm of what's going on where T V is definitely a big enemy and then our emotions are up high. And so yeah, you you now you get people saying, So if you think about this two week stretch, Steve, you know, somebody could say, uh, last week when it dropped, you know, know, over the course of, I don't know, five days or whatever, it was like 10% or something. They said, Oh, well, I'm getting out. Well, then there was the the following Monday, I think it it had the single biggest day up right at 1300 points or something. And then you could be kicking yourself going, Oh, I got out. I should have stayed, you know, you could be playing that guessing game all day long. And so emotions can really, you got to have somebody, you got to have a plan. You got to have something there to kind of help temper those personal feelings that you have about it, because that's how we get into trouble.
1: Well, it does. And and I always, I kind of talk about quite a bit at whether it's in my workshops or whether I'm talking to prospective clients or clients is that whenever, think back when you've made decisions and if you've made an emotional decision, did that turn out to be a very good decision? Or if you decided to make a decision based on fact, logic, those tend to be your best decisions you ever made. Right. But- we're emotional creatures and, <laughs> yeah, and sure. one and one of the things I always tell people is I'm really a lot of what I do is behavioral investment counseling, meaning keeping everybody's emotions and their behaviors intact because the biggest thing that, that really harms people in investing for retirement or whenever are using emotions to make those decisions. As soon as you let emotions make those decisions, bad decisions are made and you can see that in every place. Right now we're The geniuses in Washington are trying to figure out what they can do to try to to stem all of this, and and it riles up people's emotions on both sides. Uh, One side thinks that's crazy. One side thinks that's the greatest thing in the world, but they're doing it all for emotion as opposed to, let's just take a step back and let's realistically and logically look at this. It's not something, this is not the plague that's going to kill everybody. And I think you and I talked earlier that the coronavirus, most people are going to survive it, even if they get it. Now, the people who are sick that get it. Yes, they're they're apt to, to have more mortality on it. But for the vast majority of people, they're going to get it. They're sick. It works through their body and they're going to be fine. But if you listen to some of these, you know, some of these people, oh, my gosh, you would think this is the end. And those decisions that you make based on that are not gonna be the best decisions to make.
0: Well, you know, and I think that's a good point. And yeah, as we were talking, I mean it's a ninety eight percent survival rate with this thing. So again, it's you know, it's it's a serious deal, but it's we're in super overhyped mode about a lot of things that Gets us into trouble uh, again. See what we were just talking about. Emotions are rarely our friends sometimes. And so when we're talking about some solid financial truths that we can state with a bit of certainty here, again, TV. I think we all can agree in whatever form or fashion, news, financial news, whatever, can certainly you know is it's always doom and gloom. So we can uh, certainly agree that that's usually a big enemy when it comes to making financial decisions. Emotions get in the way. Uh, It's hard to keep those in check, but we must try to use logic wherever we can. And then of course another one is obviously the market, right? I mean, it's going to move in cycles. You and I, Steve, have been doing this podcast now for several months, and we've been saying, look, it's the 10-year bull run's been great, but regardless of even prior to the coronavirus, it couldn't go up forever anyway. So there were bound to be, uh, even if the virus didn't happen, there could have been some, you know, a little bit of this oil thing between Saudi and Russia. It, who knows, right? But there still could be, there's always reasons to be prepared because it just can't go up forever. It sounds great but it's not realistic.
1: It's not. And if you look at any chart, it's not a straight line up. There, there are dips and there are, there are times when it's horizontal, but over time, the market does go up. And, and one of the, the issues I think that everybody's gotten tied to and why the emotion is there is because I think some people are are hoping that the market continues to go up so that it it camouflages their poor savings habits meaning they're dependent upon the market returning 20 25% a year to make their their objectives and that's just not realistic right but that's what everybody's hoping for and there's a great saying from a a, a an individual that I, I do a lot of reading of his name's Nick Murray and he always talks look, uh, the market's going to go up and down if your goals haven't changed then you don't make any changes to your portfolio because your portfolio is designed around your goals and if that's done properly you don't have to worry about it things go up things go down just keep reinvesting keep uh, rebalancing and you're going to be fine over time
0: that's a that's a good piece of strong advice there that's for sure Uh, that's the easiest thing in the world yeah and again, it all comes back to having that plan in place. That's again for you, uh, not your neighbor or not you know your cousin down the street or whatever, right? It's you got to have a plan that's designed working for you. You know, I mean, you guys when you guys go through your retirement edge process, I mean, you're going through all these things. You're building plans. You know, I, I forgot to ask you. You know, did you get inundated with a bunch of calls over the last couple of weeks? How or how's things been?
1: I haven't because I've. It's it's what I preach all the time. I've called. A number of my clients and they just said, well, that's why we pay you. If is <laughs> something wrong with our point, no, right? we just need to, well, that's why Check, we pay just you. Just checking in, so, seeing how
0: you're doing, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, but I'm not, now some of these people are calling and saying, oh, we got to get out. Well, <laughs> okay. Sell at the low. And then when are you going to get, like you said, when are you going to get back in when right. everything gets back to better? Well, that's well, that our human nature, right? Sense. Is to
0: make them is to yeah. make a rash decision, and and you know we know we're supposed to you know uh, you know buy low and sell high, but we tend to often not do that because we panic, and and that brings me to another financial truth, Steve, and that's. Typically we're not as risk tolerant as we think we are. I mean, we're we're all fine with risk when the market's been doing what it's been doing for the last 10 years, right? But when it starts to fall like this, well then we you know the sky is falling and and we realize we probably were never as risk tolerant as we really should be or that we thought we were.
1: Oh, I agree. It's totally the, that way. Well, why do why does the average investor underperform the S&P 500 index by 7 or 8% on average every year? It's because they can't stand that volatility, right? And you know, there there are people who think of it this way. And this, somebody did this a long time ago, and I and I kind of felt it too. Go to a roller coaster. There are a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, I'm going to get on that roller coaster. I love that <laughs> roller coaster. They get off it and go, I never want to be on that. that
0: thing that's again. me. Yep. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, it looks great, and they get on it and they start cranking up. You know, they're going at the peak, and then they're like, oh my god, what did I do? Yeah. I went off, and then they're done. And then they go, well, I'm not getting back on it. And then in another year or so, well, they do it again. Yeah. And yeah. they just keep doing it. And they still have that same anxiety. And it's the same way with the market.
0: Right. You kind of want a little bit of the rush of, you know, that's going to scare you a little bit uh and so you go get in line but then it scares you more than you really kind of plan you know it's like well i bit off more than i could chew here you know type of thing so yeah that's a great analogy we definitely do that and then sometimes we end up you know with and this is our, my final financial truth here is that we end up hoping that one kind of thing will save it all, right? You know, whether it's finance, whether it's, you know, growing back your hair, losing weight, whatever, we tend to think that there's like some magic bullet that will take care of all of it, like this one pristine thing. And that's just silly. There is no magic product that's going to take care of any one thing.
1: No, there's not anything. I don't, as you said, whether it's dieting, whether it's in the financial markets, I mean, what works in the market is is time. That's it. You know, in discipline in it. Yeah. yeah, it's discipline, staying with what your plan is and and letting the market do its job. You know, believe it or not, it will work out over time. It can be very difficult. I'm not saying it's not I'm not saying it's not emotional, but we have weathered worse things than this in our past. But everybody's so microcosmed into into days, weeks and months as opposed to years. And if you, you know, if you look back, the financial crisis of 2007 really is when it began, seven and eight, that was 12, 13 years ago. And we weathered that. And we're going to weather this. And, you know, companies are still going to make money. People are still going to buy Coca-Cola. They're still going to buy IBM computers. Uh, They're still going to buy Apple products. And over time, everything will be fine again, make sure that your, your plan fits your goals and what you own fits your goals. If you do that, you're going to be just fine.
0: There you go. Well, folks, that's going to do it this week for our podcast. So as always, uh, if you do have questions or concerns before you take any action but, you know on anything you hear on any show, not just ours, always check with your financial advisor. If you're not working with one or you need some help or you have some questions, Steve's available for you uh, from his office in Overland Park here in the Kansas City area. 913-685-3207 is how you could reach out to him. 913-685-3207. Uh, maybe you found the, the podcast through email blast or newsletter or shared with you, whatever the case is. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so. Uh, give us to check out there at uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting apps from. Go ahead and you can find us there. Just type in the Retirement Pilot, search that out, and you can find it that way. Or you can find it right from Steve's website, WealthPartnersKC.com. That's WealthPartnersKC.com. Well, Steve, my friend, have yourself a great week, and uh, we'll talk in a couple weeks, and we'll see how things are doing. Sounds great. Appreciate it. Appreciate the time, Steve. We'll see you next time here, folks, on the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover of Wealth Partners Corporation.